Hi, I'm Rahat. Hi, I'm Hospital, and you're listening to Tech for Humans. Welcome to a brand new episode of Tech for Humans. On today's episode, our guest is Joan. Joan, can you take a second to introduce yourself for everyone? Hello, I am Joan Westenberg, writer, creative, um, PR tech executive, and occasional tech journalist as well. Oh, and uh, for the context of this episode, I am a very out and proud, super loud trans woman. That is awesome. And um, yeah, part of the reason why we brought you here, we brought you here because we wanted to talk a little bit about something you've done recently, and that's your work with uh, transgenderinclusion.com. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what that is, what the inspiration behind it was? Definitely. So, I mean, it should come as no surprise that being transgender is an obstacle for many folks' careers. You know, like even in tech, which is relatively progressive, there is still a dichotomy. Like there is still a, a whole separation between people who are trans and people who are other forms of queer in terms of employment. You know, we have a higher rate of unemployment. And when you add to that, that rate of unemployment, you also have statistics around how even when we do find jobs, we, if we experience higher rates of harassment, higher rates of um, workplace discrimination than other folks do as well. And we tend to last for shorter periods in jobs once we get them because of that discrimination and it just makes the workplace really difficult for us. So when I transitioned, um, one of the things that I really wanted to do was to use the platform that I have and the um, the profile that I have to promote inclusion, to promote the idea of it being more accepting to trans people and I also wanted to create a tool that would allow people to do just that. I think one of the biggest issues is not necessarily that folks are uh, innately transphobic in tech like not at all like i think people really want to to help and support us i think the issue is that they don't know how you know they don't have the tool set in place so by creating an open source policy that people could copy and work on themselves and bring into their companies my goal was to make it easier for us to include trans people absolutely everywhere cool yeah i definitely got that from reading through the document a little bit uh, beforehand uh one of the things that you mentioned was um you did like a lot of research uh, and things that like went into creating it. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what that research was and, you know, what parts of it were really helpful or anything like that? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I started from my own personal experience of being trans in tech and what that meant and the requirements that I had, you know, when I, when I transitioned the company that I was working for a, a tech company here in Sydney, they asked what they could do to support me. And so I, I went straight to my, my list of, of dream things they could do, you know, they could allow me to use the bathroom of my choice. They could um, encourage and require people to use my new name instead of my old name, that kind of stuff. So that was the, the starting point of the policy. But after that, I was going everywhere. You know, one of my friends, Aubrey, at the time, she was head of people and culture at Atlassian, and she provided me with a whole bunch of their documentation that they had, which touched on some of these issues, so that I could use that. And Aubrey really helped to kind of shapes and stuff there using the stuff that she was doing at Atlassian. Um, and beyond that, I was going to universities who had policies. I was going to other companies who had policies. I was looking everywhere I could for people who had set in stone some of the protections that trans people need to be okay in the workplace. That's amazing of, you know, how far you went to get this information. Uh, you know, is how did you get feedback um, for your policy and how did you incorporate feedback while writing this policy? 
So I passed it around to other trans people that I know who worked in tech and other HR people that I know as well. So, you know, um, one of the people that I've worked with a lot through my digital agency, uh, her name is Hilary Callahan, and she runs a company called HRebel. And she put a lot of time and effort into going through the documents with me and making sure they matched my HR requirements for working in Australia to make sure that it was going to be acceptable for those people there. Um, but in addition to that, people like Aubrey looked through it and gave me feedback as well. Other trans and non-binary people gave me feedback and so on. So when, in an earlier edition of the, the, um, the policy, it did have a section talking about intersex people in the same framing as trans people. And some feedback that I got from the intersex community was, we don't see ourselves as trans. This policy is not really about us. And you're talking about us in completely the wrong way. Like, you've got everything wrong. And that was great feedback to get because I didn't know how wrong I was. So I could go back, take those parts out of the policy, send it back to them and help them to like get to a point where they were happy with it too. So it was, you know, accepting that I don't get everything right. And one of the reasons why this is an open source policy is because I don't get everything right all the time. I get, I'm, I'm pretty smart. So I get 99% of stuff right. <laughs> <laughs> so is that kind of why I guess you made it? an open source versus like making it kind of like a consulting thing for companies? Well, I guess there's two points on that. One of them is I'm big into open source and copyright free stuff. So everything that I make is it's public domain essentially. So like if I write a book and I put it out there, like I wrote a book um, over the past few weeks, it was released. It's called hashtag DIY fuck the gatekeepers. Um, and it's a book about doing your own thing your own way. And that book is public domain. Anyone can take whatever they want from it, copy and paste it, reprint it, do whatever the hell they want, because that's my DIY indie, like, no copyright ethos. So that's part of it. But another part is I didn't want to go out and start consulting for companies to, like, make money from this thing because the goal was not let's find me a new revenue stream. The goal was let's find a way to help other folks like me who might not have the levels of privilege that I have. You know I mean? I'm a very privileged person. I have a career in, in tech, and yes, that career has taken a huge hit since I transitioned, but I still have a great network and a great profile. And I'm, yes, I'm a trans woman, but I'm still a white trans woman. Like, I have that privilege too. And the thinking was, okay, well, let's use that to help other people. Let's not profit from it. That's, yeah, definitely awesome and definitely fits in with basically the premise of our whole you know, podcast, meaning uh, Tech for Humans. So I also wanted to ask, um, when I was reading through your document, you mentioned that um, oftentimes you're, I guess, the first trans woman that a lot of people meet. How has that been, how's that experience been kind of like, you know, working in tech and being that first person um, that people often meet? And, um, you know, have you kind of, how have you kind of dealt with that? Yeah, it's been interesting. Hey, um, <laughs> you get some, some pretty invasive questions from time to time, you know, um, like I've met people at, at, at like a start, startup networking drinks who have asked me if I've had surgery on my genitals or who ask me if I sit down while I pee, like really invasive personal questions they would never ask anyone else. And that's, it's kind of confronting to be asked that kind of stuff, you know, over drinks at like a, like a, a pitch night. It's, it's confronting and it's really uncomfortable. But in general, I have taken the approach of trying to answer every question in good faith. And it's not easy to answer in good faith because you do feel a little bit violated by this stuff. But to give people a clear answer, explain why their question wasn't appropriate, but make space to educate them. Because as long as I can educate people, 
then the next time they meet a trans person, they'll, they'll, they'll know how to act and know how to talk to us. And the, I guess the, the 101 is you talk to us like you would talk to absolutely every single other person. Like you ask us the same questions. You don't ask us the same questions. It's that simple. And so I kind of want to model that behavior, but also give people the space to learn that behavior. Yeah, I'm kind of just trying to think of that, like, in my own terms, like, I've never been asked that. Uh, I'm just trying to understand, like, why someone would, like, ask a personal question like that. It's just, like... I think we are, like, trans people are unusual. Like, we are not something that you come across every day, and so people are curious. But that curiosity is, like, the context for the curiosity is kind of lurid media depictions of what trans people are, you know, like... If you are a person who doesn't know any, any other trans people, then what do you have to go on? Okay, you have, you have Caitlyn Jenner, who is not a great role model or a great spokesperson for the trans community because, you know, she has literally killed someone and gotten away with it in, a, in an auto accident. You have media and movies that portray trans people as being deceptive or predatory or fetishistic or overly sexualized. And so people have this idea that that's who we are and they think that we're either kind of attention seekers like Caitlyn Jenner or we are deceptive people who just like want to be men who put on a dress or some kind of nonsense like that. Instead of just saying, okay, well, these are, these are men and women and non-binary people who might exist outside of my perception of gender, but they are just normal people like everyone else. And that's kind of what we want to be accepted as. Ideally, like the dream of a trans person is not to have to be a spokesperson for every other trans person. Like we just want to be completely normal humans that like get to exist on the same plane as everyone else and have the same conversations as everyone else and never have to publicly talk about our genitals ever again. You know, <laughs> doesn't seem like much to ask, right? Yeah. I guess to like shift the focus a little bit, um, you know, have you ever thought of expanding this policy globally? I know you mentioned specifically that you work to make it work in a, in a story, um, sorry, Australia, but have you thought about, you know, maybe Europe or the Americas or anything like that? Yeah, sure. So um, the latest version of the policy, I actually did work with the team at Product Hunt to remove some of the more specifically Australian stuff to make it more, more broadly accessible to people everywhere. Now, because it's an open source policy, the idea is wherever you are in the world, you'll take this and then modify it to meet, I guess, the laws and standards of where you are. And you have the freedom to do that, you know, because I can't speak to the rules and regulations of some places in the U.S. You know, I mean, I think it was Ohio, was it? Somewhere like that. Over the weekend, used the coronavirus crisis to push through more anti-trans legislation than they've ever had. And like, so if any policy that exists in that state needs to take that kind of thing into consideration. So I can't write that. But I can provide the building blocks of it, which is this open source policy. And yes, thanks to the folks at Product Hunt, I have made it more broadly accessible so it can be a better foundation stone for folks. But yeah, this is the starting point if you want to do that. Gotcha. You mentioned before like some feedback you've gotten. Um, are there any specific companies that you kind of got it? You mentioned Product Hunt there. And um, do you know of like any companies who are trying to like adopt this into their culture? Oh yeah, look, I have hundreds on my list. Um, a lot of them are Australian, some of them are US, some of them are venture capital funds, some of them are consulting firms, some of them are tech startups. Um, the company that I, I worked with, Flair, they've adopted this policy. Um, there's a venture capital fund here who are backed by one of Australia's biggest banks who are working to adopt the policy. Like, it's just, it's awesome. Like, people are really backing it. Yeah, that's really cool. 
like I, mm. again when I was reading through it, I was thinking back like at some of the jobs I've had. Um, I've worked in a few different startups in tech, and uh, really out of um, every company I've been at, I've only seen one that actually kind of like follows a lot of the guidelines um, that you've listed out. Um, in the job I had before this one, uh, it was like at an ed tech company. And um, I remember, you know, going into uh, the men's room and, you know, there were tampons and like everyone was just allowed, like, go to where you're more comfortable. That's and, awesome. Um, that was the first time like I'd ever seen it. And yeah, that, that was great. Oh, I love um, that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was like one of the first times I um, personally had like an interaction um, with a transgender person. I, uh, one of my team members, um, basically was like, um, in the midst of transitioning and, um, they had come to me and told me that, um, you know, they were making that transition and it was, I was trying to figure out like the best way to, I guess, just kind of be there for them. Um, so I wish I had something like this to go off of, but, uh, yeah, I was just thinking to myself, like, you know, if someone would come to you with any problem, what would you do? Just like listen and um, yeah, keep an open, yeah. Yeah, and, and the, I guess the, the really basic advice I give is if you if you met a trans person and you want to know how to support them, treat them like every other person you know, but let them know that you do support them. Let them know that you'll have their back. You know, like I, I, I was out for drinks with a bunch of folks from the sales team, my last company, and someone came up to harass me in the pub and they just closed ranks around me to instantly like protect me like because they were on the watch for that kind of harassment so if you are friends with a trans person just like step up have their back but do it in a real tangible way yeah. are there any resources you would say like people can go to like figure out how to be helpful uh you know you have your policies here for companies to adopt yeah. on how about personal stuff that people can look up and, and figure out a way how to communicate and show that they want to be there. Yeah. So in Australia, there's some great resources from ACON and from the Gender Centre. So if you're in Australia, you can look them up. Actually, if you're anywhere in the world, you can look those up. Um, but there will be specific resources for the USA as well. I'm not sure what those would be exactly, but there's definitely some stuff out there too. Um, yeah, so I can't speak to the US, but yeah, in Australia, or if you are in the US and you want to see what we have here, you can go to ACON or you can look up the Gender Center AU, and there's some really good resources there. Awesome. So I guess going back to, I guess, the project itself, um, so you mentioned it's open source. Um, how can like other folks contribute to the document? Essentially, I'm working out the best way forward from that. So it started out as a Google Doc shared with a bunch of different trans people that we could edit and people could just have a request to edit the document and I would approve that. But we're moving it to GitHub soon, so it should be on GitHub in the next month or so and then people can just do it the usual way with pull requests. Do you see any issues coming up uh, by switching this over from you being the point of truth like with the Google Docs, it's just switching over to GitHub? Um, I'll find out when I get there, I reckon. Um, will you be kind of like the core maintainer still of like approving pull requests? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. So how can others kind of like support this project in general um, other than contributing? Um, you can promote it, like spread the word, tweet about it, shout about it. You can invite me to be in your podcast and talk about it. You can, um, you can share it around. The most basic thing you can probably do 
is you can print out the policy and you can take it to whoever's running people and culture at your company and you can say that it would matter to you and it would mean a lot to you personally if they would adopt it. What advice do you have for other transgenders or non-binary people that are trying to break into tech? You mentioned how you had this great tech job and then once you transitioned, it kind of took a hit. You know, what are some things you did to help mitigate that and what are, what are some advice you have for others? Um, yeah, look, I haven't exactly mitigated it yet. So I have, I have launched my own projects because I've struggled to get through the barriers of tech ever since I transitioned. So for some background, I have a, um, a 10-year career in comms and messaging and media and brand and marketing in tech. I've won awards for it, so I have a Platinum Hermes Award for digital PR, and I've worked in companies that have been valued at hundreds of millions of dollars. But since I transitioned, I can't get a single interview. So it's been eight months since I last had a job interview because people just look at my profile and they reject me immediately with an automated email. So that's kind of a shitty thing. you know. Before transitioning, I was in demand, like people were actively headhunting me. And these days, I can't even get a face-to-face -face meeting. So I have decided to build my own thing and do my own thing and act on my own terms. And my advice for anyone else getting into tech is, one, if you can do that, do that. Like if you can be the gatekeeper, be the gatekeeper. Two, if you can't, you're going to have to be real patient because it takes ages to break into it if you are trans. And three, your network matters. So like use your network you won't get in cold. And I guess my advice for anyone working in tech right now is ask yourself, do you work with any trans or non-binary people right now? And if the answer is no, I can promise you it's not because they haven't applied, it's because your company hasn't hired them. So ask yourself what your company could be doing better. Yeah, um, I guess what, what are, um, do you think, what are some ways like people who are in tech um, can like kind of bring that to the attention of their companies a little bit more? Um, they can try to fight for and insist on blind hiring processes where the gender and the identity and the name of the candidate is not revealed in that selection process. They can insist on having the stats and the data around the hiring, you know, like who are we hiring? Why are we hiring in those demographics? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm actually trying to remember like, I just finished uh, my job search last week and you're right. Like the amount of applications that I have sent out to replies, I'm just wondering how the systems are biased already because some of them are, I got automatic replies the second I sent out an email and others, it's like it waits for a couple of days. So someone actually goes through yeah. it. Um, and yeah, I, I know people, who write all these blog posts about hacking the automated uh, resume systems? Um, and you're right. I don't. I don't know why. I had a few even when I signed up. Like I, it asked me to enter my gender. Uh, you know, there's no reason why my skills or anyone's skills, you know, requires their gender to be revealed for the application. Absolutely no reason at all. Yeah. And but we see this like all the time in in like so many different areas. So like we know that like the the data bears this out. We know that there is discrimination when the name of a candidate is revealed, when the gender is revealed and so on. And it's not just based on gender. It's also based on race. Like that discrimination is absolutely happening just based on the names of candidates. And when those, when those names are like anonymized, 
that racial discrimination or that gender discrimination goes away because people aren't making that judgment call based on a name or agenda. And I think that kind of thing needs to change. You know, we need to, we need to be looking at that kind of discrimination. Yeah. Like now that I'm kind of like thinking back to it, there's in every single job application pretty much I've ever done. There's always been that question. What, what, what's your gender? Um, do you have a disability? And um, I know, so like, I, I don't know if it's the same in Australia, but in the U S it's, um they put this behind like oh we have an anti-discrimination policy so we need to know this and i always thought to myself but like if you have like an anti-discrimination thing then you don't need to know this um, exactly right exactly right and like yeah it's 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 just like baked in as part of the application process so that's definitely something that needs to be overhauled quite a bit yeah um, to get that sort of like blind application yeah. process kind of going. 100%. Yeah, I was just gonna ask you, I know like Rahat, you're, I guess two jobs ago when you were more of a managerial role or even last job, and you were hiring, like, did you see the shift how, especially in tech, people are searching to those resumes with their headshots on it? Yeah, I did see that, yeah, I've seen a lot. I, I know yeah. when I was hiring for, someone to work in my team at my last job, I, I think over 50% of the resumes I got had headshots on it. And I'm just thinking like, when did that shift happen? When was that required? Um, because that already puts in bias. Like, I'm not saying that I'm perfect. Um, I know that like there's biases that I'm working on and just educating myself, but like that shift. And I, I feel like this is only with the tech resumes um, that, that you put your headshot on it. And like, I don't know what made it standardized. And I think that's also hurting um, because now people have yeah. this understanding like, hey, where's the headshot? Like, I, I feel like hiring managers are already looking for that specific type of resume. I think it started getting standardized. Like people started doing their CVs like that once Canva got popular and like people were just using the same resume templates and their resume templates had a space for <laughs> a profile pic. And because honestly, as a hirer, I can't tell you the last time I got a CV that didn't look like a Canva template. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I can see like with templates, like everyone's using the same template. Yeah, uh, same information is kind of there. Yeah, so, so I don't think I don't think it's been a requirement that anyone's had that. Oh, you have to have a, a profile pic on your CV. I think it's just that people were all using the same template and it had that, and so then it became standardized, and so now it's expected. Hmm. I know, uh, I remember someone um, on Twitter had posted this, like, there are some countries that do require it, like in Germany, I think um, it's required. Mm. Um, so it seems like there are some companies that are, or countries that are requiring that, and that just kind of like opens it up yeah. to, like, you know, um, full on, like, if I don't like the way you look or you don't conform to like how my company is supposed yeah. to be imaged, then, you know, I'm probably not that's it. Up. And I mean, at the end of the day, I am a tattooed punk rock trans woman. Like I don't fit many molds. So if you're, if you're judging me based on how I look, like you're probably going to skip me over to someone else, but it shouldn't come down to that. You know? No, it definitely shouldn't. But unfortunately that's where it's going. And I feel like, you mentioned tattoos like now i feel like the tech pros term we use now every single tech bro is getting these tattoos and and, and it's like oh you're making something cool or fashionable 
and you're still able to get a job. Yeah, sure. Definitely much easier for your tech bro. Yeah, look, if you are if you're a white straight cisgendered tech bro, like you got an easier path. You know, it's just the truth of it. And that's not me being a fucking victim. Like I don't I don't sit around feeling sorry for myself. I work my ass off constantly. I hustle and grind constantly. But it's it's just the the reality of it. You know, I'm I am a realist, and I look at the world and I say, okay, well that's what I've got to face. And so I'm going to get up every single day and I'm going to face it. I'm going to overcome every single obstacle that they put in front of me. But I'm also not going to feel sorry for people who don't have those obstacles and want to whinge about how hard their lives are. You know, like I'm not going to feel sorry for you if you've got an easier path than I have and you're not taking action. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, we, we've been talking a little bit of like about, you know, privilege, uh, things like that for, like another a couple episodes ago as well um and like you even started this podcast off saying like you know you you have privilege as well being like a you know white uh transgender person and um it's just i guess refreshing to you know to hear people both like you know acknowledge what their privilege is and also like look at you know where we're um disadvantaged as well like hospital and yeah, I both you know south asian um dudes and uh in tech we're kind of okay uh asian men you tend to do pretty fine pretty okay um but uh yeah i definitely uh love that you had mentioned that as well um, i mean just in in terms of being trans like the white like white trans people have it easier because white people have it easier you know the um the higher rates of violence against trans women like it is it's mostly black and indigenous trans women who suffer the most like that's where that's where the the fatalities are that's where the murders are that's where the abuse is and white trans women we don't have that as much so i'm just i'm very i'm very cognizant of how much safer i am just based on my privilege you know Awesome. So we usually uh, like to wrap up our episodes kind of like with a catch-up session, um, kind of see like what you're doing uh, outside of, um, I guess, uh, transgenderinclusion.com. I know um, I had seen you make a couple announcements. You're doing like kind of your own podcast. Um, I think you've also had like a form, I think it was pizzaparty.com. Or... Yeah. So um, outside of my, outside of the transgender inclusion policy, I, um, this year I launched my own uh, tech-focused PR agency called Studio Self. Um, very luckily I launched it right before a global recession. Yay, go me. But, and so, you know, like I built up a, a pretty awesome portfolio of clients, but the coronavirus recession has kind of wiped out that portfolio. So I'm, at the moment I'm working on rebuilding that and just getting it back to where it needs to be. So I had some staff who I've, I've paid up and are now like waiting for the money to keep coming back in so we can do that. But outside of that, I have a self-care community that I founded called Tiny Spells where it's, it's thousands and thousands of people now and they get a daily email with just three things they can do each day to look after their health and their mental health and their well-being. It's kind of like Finomize but for your own self-care. Um, I have a blog called Pizza Party and a podcast as well, which is my thoughts about culture, business, technology, and creativity. And I am about to launch a I guess a newsletter and kind of a community called less, which is just about minimalism, trying to live with a little bit less than you really have to have, you know? So I do a lot of different things. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think um, a common thing among people in tech is we have a ton of side projects at all times. <laughs> That's it, yeah. And look, I guess, yeah, like everyone else, my biggest side hustle at the moment is just surviving the coronavirus and the economic hit yeah. that we've all taken and surviving this lockdown with my mental health in, intact. Like, that's the goal, right? Definitely. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned um, you sent out the, the email or stuff about the three things you can do about yourself health yeah. and well-being and mental health. What are some three advices you can have right now? Uh, like you mentioned lockdown, I think you know, we're in New York, everyone's locked down. Yeah. I'm not sure about the situation in Australia, but what are some things people could do? I'm going to give you the three top things that I tell everyone to do to look after themselves right now. Number one, make your bed every day. Like when you get up in the morning, don't leave that bed unmade. It lets your standards drop and it impacts your mental health in a negative way. Number two, get dressed, like put on some proper clothes. Don't just spend your whole day in your PJs. Like if you spend your whole day in your pajamas, if you spend your whole day in your pajamas, it's going to depress you because you're going to feel like you're not up to your best standards. You're not dressing like to your best self. And like the number one person that you should get dressed up for is you like you deserve yourself to look good for you doesn't matter if you leave in the house or not like put on some clothes put on some pants put on some shoes like get dressed and number three is stay hydrated like drink water regularly make sure you're keeping that up like, it's if you if you don't drink water you are not giving yourself some of the very basic building blocks of fuel that you need to survive a day and if you get to the end of your day and you think fuck i feel like shit right now and then you look back and you haven't drunk any water well guess what no wonder you feel so bad. You need water to survive. Hydrate. So yeah, number one, make your bed. Number two, put on some pants. Number three, drink some damn water. Great advice. Definitely good advice. I remember um, like uh, our company is like, I guess, working remotely now for everybody. And uh, there was this uh, one, of, one of my coworkers, he always dresses up. And uh, even on like our um, stand-ups and everything, he's, he's all dressed up. And uh, someone had asked him, like, why are you still dressed up? And he mentioned, he's like, I always get dressed up. This is, you know, how I make sure I feel good um, and everything. And with you mentioning that, yeah, I, I guess, you know, that probably holds true. And uh, yeah. I should probably try that myself. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty simple for me because I kind of have basically a uniform that I wear. Like, I wear only black T-shirts and black jeans or black T-shirt dresses. Like, that's all I wear. So... It's like it's easy to pick an outfit, but I still make sure I do it every day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tech for Humans. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. You can tweet us at techforhumans.io or listen to all of our episodes at techforhumans.io. That's tech, the number four, humans.io. Episodes are available on all major podcast platforms.